0: Welcome to the CDC Podcast, Episode 36. We are taking a break from our series of video producers and critics this month, as senior curator Zoya Street and I have decided to talk about the site and our process of curation, mainly in the This Week in Video Game blogging feature. We find that there is still some confusion and a feeling that the process is somewhat of a black box. Every person is different with what they curate and why, and we thought it might be a good idea to introduce our newest senior curator's views on the matter now that he's settled into the role. Hello, Zoya. Hey there. Getting right into it, we get a lot of suggestions every week. This Week in Video Game Blogging is obviously a weekly feature, and I get that, or at least in my own experience in that no matter how many times I and others who have done the feature have tried to explain how the process works, it kind of feels like, to a lot of people, it just appears almost like magic. So, I guess, can you describe some of the work that you have gone through to try and get this out every week?
1: Yeah, so when I first came into the role, Chris Ligman talked me through their process, um, and as I was writing down notes and kind of then taking on the process, there were certain bits that I moved into if this then that so that then everything joins together uh, quite elegantly and now what happens is that anything that gets submitted through twitter by tweeting out a link with twivgb then or anything that comes through our rss lists we subscribe to the rss feeds of websites that regularly post the kind of content that we're interested in anything from those sources goes directly to my reading list. And I use a reading list manager called Digo that allows me to keep hold of not just all of the links that I want to include, but also annotations, comments, descriptions of what's going on in those texts, and author names and that kind of thing. So then, two or three times a week, I go through my reading list and remove everything that's not suitable, give descriptions and annotations to everything that I want to include and start adding them to an outliner for the week's roundup. And I suppose I could talk a bit now about the criteria that kind of that I have in mind when I'm thinking about whether a piece is suitable or unsuitable, right?
0: And listeners should understand that after you've done this like a dozen, two dozen times, you start to see patterns emerge in how people, what people talk about or how they talk about given topics, so it becomes easier to quickly understand what's going on and shuffle should this be included or should this not.
1: It does get a lot quicker than what you do it. yeah. Uh, All in all, it takes about 10 to 15 hours a week to do all of the reading and to compile the roundup, but it felt like it was taking longer at the beginning, and now it's getting quicker. And there's also just generally having been involved in games criticism for long enough, you have that you get an understanding of what kind of arguments tend to come up around particular topics, and you get a good sense of what makes a piece particularly surprising or unique.
0: And you actually have created a list for yourself of like, criteria that's popped up over and over of inclusions.
1: Yeah. So, So one of those things is to have a piece that is making surprising observations. So it could be looking at a game that hasn't been discussed very much or looking at a game that's been discussed quite a bit but pointing something out that people seem to have previously kind of missed about it or even just elaborating on an argument that's more familiar or criticizing an argument that's usually made about this game. The key thing there is for the point being made to be unique or surprising. Another thing that makes something merit inclusion is if it's tracing the aesthetic threads across different games or different media and looking at how a particular feeling or narrative or visual aesthetic or some some mode of expression is being translated between different media or between different game forms or whatever and approaching that with like a kind of interest in how is that being done and what's the effect of it like how does it help us to understand the game being discussed another thing that makes me really want to include a piece as if it provokes me to think about games criticism differently. So that's a slightly different genre of writing uh, to directly writing games criticism, writing that reflects on games criticism itself. But I really I like including those pieces, because I like the thought that reading critical distance is enriching people's development as games critics. That was why I got enthusiastic about critical distance to begin with. Like when I was just starting out, critical distance was there and it was like giving me like quite an intensive training in how to talk about games very quickly and very early on. And it felt like quite an accessible way to get involved in the conversation and also to understand that meta-conversation that's going on. And another thing I'm generally interested in is the how social dynamics are being expressed either through games, or through game events, or publications. Any writing that's dealing with not just this event happened, or this publication exists, but why they're significant, or what they tell us about the culture that we're in, or the historical moment that we're in, or that kind of thing. That kind of thing really jumps out at me, and uh, tends to be included.
0: Is that the entirety of your list for positives? Obviously, they're like they're broad enough that they, that they are they're very rather broad. capsulative.
1: Um, yeah. What well, this list came about because uh, it was one week where I was making items for like my reasoning, uh, for including or not including something, and yeah, th- these kind of broad things you then get a lot of things falling under those categories, right?
0: Yeah, and. If you do this long enough and you see how everyone reacts to lists of anything, you you tend to, after a while, just do this mentally. He says, I have, in case it's like you ever come to this imaginary court where you're put on trial to defend your decisions, it's like, I have my defense, but it never comes up, but that fear is still there.
1: Yeah. See, I don't think that the list is comprehensive, but it was kind of me recording the process for myself and trying to make explicit what I'm going through mentally when I'm working out whether a piece is suitable.
0: I think that's also, like, part of, like, the black box problem that we have with this week in video game blogging is that people, like, well, what are you looking for? And, like, sometimes the best answer is surprise me. Yeah. That, that's, like, the easiest. I remember, I think this was 2011, I never knew I wanted a critique of... Modern Warfare's opening tutorial section by an actual Afghanistan-bound soldier of the U.S. military until one popped into my email one day.
1: That kind of thing could absolutely be another item in the inclusion list, is anything where someone's writing from a different point of view to what you normally hear about, and they're using that perspective to enrich our understanding of a game. I I think I would brings that under surprising observations right
0: yeah and it's just like we have actually been accused previously that like not having specific criteria well i feel like having specific and narrow criteria causes more problems than it would ever solve it would certainly make the process a lot quicker but at the same time you're cutting off a lot of things you don't even know exist yet
1: yeah absolutely yeah i really like anything that I never thought that I would even come across it alone include. Like, any uh, there's sometimes writing that I don't even know if it's fully blogging or if it's swaying into fiction a little bit, like someone's taking on a character, and really intelligent things can happen there. This sort of boundary between critical writing and creative writing.
0: Sometimes we include things that aren't necessarily critical. I, I remember one of my favorite pieces was a trilogy of posts, where they took the original Pokemon and pretended someone was trying to follow the trail of Ash Ketchum, and they pretended they were Hunter S. Thompson. Ah,
1: oh, perfect.
0: I have absolutely no idea what it had to say about Pokemon as a game or a franchise, but I wanted that included. I, I remember submitting it and wanted it included purely on its creative value. I have a, yeah. it, might, it might have been saying something, I don't know, and I'm not sure I cared.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic.
0: It also it should be noted. I guess we like get into the negative side of things. Is that it should be noted that as time has gone on, I guess you could say the standards of critical writing for critical distance has risen. Because distance just so high now.
1: <laughs>
0: well, it's because it's like. Not a lot, not a lot, but there are some people who have been around and are still writing criticism since those early days. We've done the early arguments, we've done the base posts, or the the very quick questions of, and once those questions are answered, you kind of want to then build upon it. Yes. And because there are a lot of things that we included in the roundups in 2008 and 2009 that I, I don't even think I'd give a second look at today just because they were so short, and they were so, I guess, like, blasé in their intellectual curiosity for it. But at the time, it was new, it was fresh, and it was the populist cutting edge back then. But it's eight years later, and I still see posts on the same issues being published, and I don't know if they're recommended anymore, because I I don't see that list every week. You'd have to say.
1: (laughs) Um... I mean, I definitely every week see pieces come up that, as you say, if it had been eight years ago, it would have felt different. But now uh, I'm waiting for that person to do their next piece, basically. Because I think we all... I don't don't think it's useless to go through those motions as a writer.
0: Well, not as an individual, definitely not.
1: It's not necessarily something that is going to be included in the roundup because I'm thinking about what's going to provoke people to think about things differently and kind of expand toolbox they have for thinking about games. But I think it's totally, it's encouraging to me when a writer is doing their what is a game post and our game's art post and their ludonarrative dissonance posts. Like they're scoping up that terrain for themselves and everyone always does it in a way that's unique to them no one else would have done that post exactly the way that you did it. And it ends up being a foundation for whatever their contribution ends up being that's, that I've never seen before. Like, they're thinking through these issues in a way that's going to lead something else further down the line. And that tends to really excite me. And so that tends to get added to the RSS list because I feel like something's coming up later on that is going to be awesome
0: it is more encouraging to see a writer following that path than following the IGN GameSpot path of, like, this is how you write about games. because yeah. Because that's actually how, like, the modern crop, I, I know, like, the modern people at IGN, they started blogs, they started their own writing things, and IGN picked them up that way when uh the older, older guard got cycled out of, their, of that website. Yeah. But uh, another thing that I feel like, It's never stated outright, but I feel like it's an underlying thought process about critical distance. It's not about the best. It's about, like, adding to the communal knowledge pool, I guess. Yeah,
1: and that's really not something I understood until I started doing the work.
0: I I made that mistake of, like, not putting my foot down, like, at the first this year in video game blogging because there was a, a lot of uproar about why wasn't I work of mine included, why wasn't this or that included. And, and I just never, like, just definitively state this is not a top X list of the best things written in the year. This is about being able to, like, give an overview. This is about, yes. like, a snapshot of what the year is, and it's harder to do it when you're dealing with just a magnitude more material than you are on a weekly basis and i guess it's maybe easier to understand that this is just where the conversation is not necessarily what the best writing is but if it is a superb piece of writing it'll find its way in that's kind of how this change in viewpoint or i guess viewpoint but uh there's
1: definitely been pieces. i really I could remember what they were now. Uh, there's definitely been pieces that have come up in the weekend video games blogging for me where they're really beautifully written, but they don't add to that kind of communal knowledge pool in the way that I was looking for. There's definitely been pieces that I've not included, even though they're gorgeously written, just like exquisite like pieces of writing, but the content isn't emblematic of where the conversation is, or it's not advancing the conversation. It's just a really beautiful, reflective piece of writing. I wish I could think of any examples, because there's definitely been some recently, but I can't remember what they were for the life of me. But yeah, it's definitely not about, like, a top however many list of the best writing. First of all, there isn't, like, a limit to how many there can be. So I'm not thinking about a particular number that i want to have at the end.
0: It just happens to average around 20, because that's how much the human brain can usually process.
1: Yeah, and it varies really wildly for me, as I think you've noticed. Uh, there was one week where you were like, oh my god, this week's just jam-packed. Because so I think it was around 30. More recently, I've had a week where there were only 12. I was super and... worried about that, but then I kind of looked at the 12, and I was like, no, that that was the right way to go. Like, this is a good collection."
0: And then you look at the day. It's like, oh, it's the day before. It's the week before GDC. That makes a whole lot more sense.
1: Yeah, actually. Or, it was, uh, well, the week <laughs> before GDC, there were a lot because people were trying to get things like out there before uh, everyone gets distracted, right?
0: And then the week of GDC, everyone is just too busy to write. And the week after, everyone is still trying to recover from the hangovers. Yeah. You can actually usually tell when there's going to be a bump or a, a, a lull.
1: Yeah, I think I'm going to get used to sort of knowing when that's coming and, yeah, knowing what to expect. I still don't really know. Yeah, I'm often kind of surprised by how many or how few pieces are on my reading list in a given week.
0: It's also harder to, like, figure out because the people who don't go to these big conferences, E3, PAX, and GDC, it's like, oh, other people will go, now's my shot. (sighs) Tuesday is also a big day, I've noticed. So many things get published on Tuesdays.
1: It's um, it's a sort of PR truism. You're meant to put things up on Tuesday if you want them to get a lot of attention. So a lot of websites put their best pieces out on Tuesday, and then the end of the week is uh, it's not the content that it's you know they don't the put fluff. out there sort it's the of. Fluff day. It's not. I don't want to say fluff because there are some cool things <laughs> that come out, but most sites don't put out there like. 5,000-word, amazingly researched feature article on cutting-edge stuff that's happening in a part of the world that doesn't normally get attention on Friday. Like, that'll go out on Tuesday. But yeah, it's definitely not about a top however many lists. partly because there's no limit to how many, and partly because it's really not about the quality of the writing as kind of a primary thing. The writing can be really good and I'll not include it. The writing can be, there can be like loads of grammar mistakes and kind of structural issues in a piece, but if it's being written by someone whose perspective I've never heard before, there was a piece right after GDC because we had another, one of those incidents where a GDC party hires hires women to entertain guests in a way that assumes that the guests must all be heterosexual men who want to like be flirted with and so we had another one of those incidents as seems to happen every other gdc and we had the usual pieces come out about that where people were saying you know this this terrible objectifying exclusionary makes women working in games uh, feel that they don't belong or are not expected to be there etc but then we had this piece that came out by someone who has done that job and I was like, finally, <laughs> like, I felt like I'd been waiting years for someone who, like, it's, it's one of the human beings who we're talking about to actually come forward and go, okay, this is what the job actually entails, this is what it's like to do the job, these are the benefits, these are the downsides, and these are the misconceptions people have about who I am, and why I'm there, and, like, what my role actually is, and uh, and that was fantastic. And the piece itself, like, you know, the person doesn't blog all the time. They're not a super experienced writer. And so there are certain things about the structure and the grammar that would have perhaps put me off. Like, if I'd been in a role as an editor, then I would have, like, had to workshop that quite a lot. But in my role as curator, which is very different, I was like, this definitely needs to be included because, like, we've been hungry for a piece like this for so long.
0: Yeah, because the the standard pieces, like every time it happens, you see it, and it's after a while, it's like, okay, there are five this week. Do you, if you are going to include one, which one do you include? They're and I don't same, necessarily same include
1: any of them if it's yeah. things that have already been said like several times, um, and we just seem to go through it every year. Then I'll tend not to include it because I need it to feel like we're going somewhere. It's not that I'm going to, like, give a false impression of progress where progress isn't happening. But it can get really tiring for everyone involved when our discourse kind of keeps treading the same ground over and over again and you feel like you've seen everything already. And there's a weird kind of fatigue that it gives you where you're like, gosh, all the work has already been done, what am I doing? And that's, like, not the case at all. So, yeah, I'll usually wait for a response piece to come out if there's been sort of a glut of pieces that are all saying the same thing and they're all saying something that's already been said. I'll usually wait until the next week because that same topic is going to come up again, but someone is going to have read that glut of pieces that came out last week and then take it a step further. And that's kind of what I'm looking for.
0: Any other bugbears style things that you don't include? Because everyone has their personal bugbears where this this is, a, this is a thing that keeps getting recommended and you don't know why. Hmm. I think, like, I remember early on that we used to get, a, like, a rocker recommendation. I'm saying, oh, this is well written, and it, I reached the end of the piece, and I realized this was just telling me something that existed.
1: Yes, that's definitely one of my main bugbears. Like, it can be... A short sensationalist piece that I have to wade through in the RSS list, they tend not to get uh, specifically recommended through email or Twitter, but because I try to subscribe to the websites that are going to publish the stuff I'm looking for, I also have to go through all the stuff that isn't what I was looking for, but they also publish that. And often that's pieces that are just going, like, look at this video of all of these chickens in Skyrim, or you know, just saying someone someone made a thing, look at the thing. And I'm usually waiting for, like, the other pieces that that website publishes that are going, okay, why is that thing significant? How did it get made? Or who else has made similar things? And what are the differences in approach and goals? Or, like, g- giving us some some sort of wider view. But there's even longer pieces that, like you say, you get to the end of it and it's beautifully written, but you realise all it did was tell you that, all it did was describe something and yeah I, I i that comes up every week where there's like a very long piece that is sort of like a, a peer to how wonderful a particular game is but it's just sort of going through all of the reasons why the game is wonderful and i suppose there's two yeah. there's two reasons why i'm not into including those pieces one of them is the fact that it's only describing it's not giving us a broader perspective or giving us an analytical viewpoint Uh, and another reason is that it's evaluative it's just telling us this game is worthy of your time or worthy of your money and I'm not interested in that question I assume that if you're writing about a game in any depth then you think it's worth the time because you've given it a lot of your time and I think the same applies for whether it's worth your money as well And I'm much less interested in the evaluation of whether or not you should play a game, and much more interested in analyzing or contextualizing what it means to have that experience of playing that game.
0: That's all my bullet points.
1: Cool. Yeah, I feel like we've gone through everything.
0: I guess that since we're both here, we should give the listeners a rundown of all the other features that we have on critical distance every month we do we have blogs of the round table.
1: yeah, one thing that I've been trying to make happen with blogs of the round table, although it's not it's not my baby, but a kind of behind the scenes I'm trying to promote blogs of the round table outside of games blogging circles very often, the subject of blogs of the Roundtable table is a subject that has its own blogosphere. And I'd really like to have more exchange between different crowds and get people who don't normally write about games to kind of feel inspired to maybe write something about a game they've been playing recently and how it to write about a game that they've been playing recently or that they remember playing from their perspective as, for example, a food blogger or a parenting blogger or what have you. So parenting is the theme of the current blogs of the Roundtable, and I'm hoping that people who write about media and children, uh, education, parenting, that sort of issue, might feel inspired to contribute, so that then it's not just games people talking to games people. We're getting those different perspectives.
0: And the This Month in Let's Plays feature, which has been on hiatus the past few months...
1: Yeah, that's coming back soon, but uh, I'm not going to say much about it.
0: <laughs> and that we have our occasional critical compilations on yes. single p- titles.
1: Yeah, and I think we could just reiterate here that uh, you, you, anyone can definitely pitch us a critical compilation. But if there's a game that like you've been going really heavy into as a critic and so you've been going through all the critical writing that's been done on it, then definitely get reach out and we'll see if we can include a critical compilation that you've put together.
0: Because we have to figure, it also helps us know if, uh, if we can commission them on our end knowing how many people want to do.
1: Yeah, yeah absolutely.
0: And the final... The final two features that we have is this podcast you are listening to, the Critical Distance Confab, which I am in, ostensibly in charge of, and then the yearly feature this year in video game blogging, which I post a... We have a post that explains how we do the whole thing that apparently nobody reads because it includes all the instructions on how to submit for that feature, and only about half of the people actually follow them. That That's... I guess you could say because this is such a, a long... Both the weekly and the yearly features are such a long endeavour, not following the basic instructions <laughs> kind of annoys me, although you've automated most of it, so...
1: Yeah, although it does mean that if someone doesn't follow the instructions, then the risk of it getting lost is higher because it's more automated now. So if someone tweets a link to the Critical Distance account but doesn't say what it's for then there's a strong chance of it getting lost. It doesn't always get lost because I have the critical distance Twitter account on my phone, so sometimes I do get the notification. But it's not the that's not the place where I go to look for submissions. I look for submissions because they have T W I V G B in the tweet.
0: Or C D R S S hashtag C D R S S or hashtag let's C D yes. for the Various lists. Yeah,
1: or bought uh, for blogs of the roundtable. Uh,
0: is it hashtag? It's hashtag, it hashtag it bought, is...
1: yeah. And CDRSS, I don't think I, uh, I don't think I brought that up earlier, did I? No. So a couple months ago, I put this in place because I want to follow more RSS feeds of blogs that I might not have thought to follow. So if you tweet the URL of your RSS feed with the hashtag CDRSS then it will automatically get subscribed to from the critical distance RSS reader and that'll mean that anything that you publish on the RSS feed is automatically going to go into my reading list so it'll automatically be included for consideration.
0: And it should be noted that we do rely on our readership for suggestions, for inclusions like because it really does help filter the the noise, yeah. like the, the signal from the noise, because there is just – the Internet, when we started, our common refrain for getting people to submit stuff was, the Internet is too big.
1: Right, we and can't that was a long time ago.
0: And that, that was eight years ago. Yeah, I, it's it, way it's bigger now. Even our tiny little corner of it has grown exponentially yeah. to a point where it's past the singularity, no one can read at all.
1: Yeah. It's a lot to get through. And it it does help a lot when something has been recommended on Twitter, even if I'm already subscribed to the RSS feed, even if someone else has already recommended it. The way that uh, my reading list works is I see the fact it's been recommended under the link. And the more recommendations, the more kind of information is populating there. So it does stand out more. And it has made me take a second look at pieces Where I go, okay, actually, like, three people thought that this should be included. What are they seeing here that I might have missed? So it does help a lot.
0: And there is another thing that I see people worrying about. Submit your own stuff. I don't submit my own stuff because I'm a weirdo who works here, and that's just a rule I follow. Hmm. If you want to promote something, submit it, recommend it.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Don't don't be embarrassed. I know because I, I know the difference. It's like I spent all this time on it. What if they don't like it? What if they don't see it? You have to understand. Like there's a disconnect between. It's like the it's the adage about the interview. For you, this could change your entire life. For the interviewer, it's Tuesday.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, and it's the same here. It's like if you see like the list that we deal with on our end, it's Tuesday. Don't worry about it. Just submit it. If this doesn't work, submit the next one. If if you think you've done a good job, just submit it. Yeah,
1: I have never ever seen someone submit their own thing and then gone, "How dare they? Like <laughs> they're so presumptuous of them." <laughs> like I'm just submit your own stuff. It's it's totally fine, and like I'm really grateful that I get to see your stuff.
0: Yeah, and it's also also a weird thing is that when you're just dealing with so much that I honestly, I don't know who's written what until I'm actually writing the post and have to put the author's name into the description. So I have to actually look for the author's name. It's just because it's just all those details. you, you, You mentally have to strip everything away just to get through the several hundred pieces that there are this week.
1: Yeah.
0: So a lot of details like, author's names and the correct spelling of a site's URL tends to get lost during that, but thankfully we have copy and paste and these automated lists to help with that process.
1: Yeah, the automated lists are helping a lot with author names because that now populates uh, automatically. The URLs still get messed up sometimes because technology is weird. Sometimes the ego decides not to give me the link to the website, and to give me a link to a page on Digo that doesn't actually exist. It's just like some strange little friend you do have waffling th- emptily about themselves. Uh, you do
0: have the title, so it's easy to Google.
1: Yes. But yeah, what I tend to do is, uh, cause I, before I hit publish, I check all of the links, unless it's really late and I'm really tired and I've forgotten that I need to do that. So when I catch those where Digo has just decided to talk about itself for a while, I... Uh, Go back to the outliner and follow the link from there, and then that t- that fills that out. That's an unnecessary level of detail. No one needs to know all of that. <laughs> um, but... I don't
0: know. You could say it's human
1: interest—the
0: <laughs> catch-all excuse for news talking about things that aren't news.
1: Yeah.
0: Actually, you know, it just dawned on me while while we were doing that. We never like explained about like the this week in video game blogging post. Like we touched upon it, but we never like went into any sort of depth how those have changed over the
1: oh, yeah. different
0: stewardships. stewardships. There's a good word I didn't think to use before.
1: Stewardship. So yeah, under, under my stewarding, I have changed the layout of the posts a little bit. My goal is for the actual content of that goes into every post to be the same as it would have been before, where you're getting you're not just getting a list of links, you're getting the contextualizing What's going on in the conversation, and the explanation of why a particular link is significant and what it's doing. But it used to be that the way that those two things were melded together was by having flowing text and just having the link part as part of the sentence. And now I have sections with subheadings. A little Easter egg is that each subheading is a um it has an ID on it, and there's the same IDs come up every week and they're the same as the tags that I've been applying, and that's so that I can keep track of what themes are coming up week after week. So yeah, there's themed sections with descriptions of what's going on in that section this week, links, bullet-pointed, so they're kind of indented so you can see where the link is compared to where the description is. And then at the end of the section, I have a pull quote from the final link on the list of that section. Do I need to
0: say that again? Was that completely garbled? Uh, No, I, I got that. And the thing is, it's basically, we have figured out a way where it all looks neat. You can easily see where the links are, where it goes, who the author is, separate from the description. And the system now has a way that if you want to follow the conversation from week to week, We have a tag system for that, and for some reason, it took us eight years to come up with this idea. (laughs) (laughs) Like, once you said it, or like, once you described it to me before the podcast, it was like, wait a minute. Why didn't we think of this earlier? Because the previous system was literally writing paragraphs describing it and linking it in the paragraph of the description, and it gives a nice flow to it, except... Sometimes when you're talking about multiple posts in a, in a series, they get one tiny word highlighted, so you you miss clicking on it. There are multiple links in the same paragraph. You can't always click them all, or you might not see them. You might highlight it strangely, so it looks ugly. It, it, it's on the one hand, you do lose some of the creativity that when uh one of the curators got bored a week, they decided to pull out the creative writing chops yeah. for how they described everything. The, it's a lot of fun to do, but it's also a lot of extra work to put the creative aspect while still being technically accurate and putting all the information such as author, site, title, subject matter into a way that's readable. A- another problem is that your sentences start to become very formulaic.
1: Yeah.
0: It's like, at this site, author, blah, 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 talked about this while saying this, this, and this. It's just yeah. like... And then eventually, so just, to, just to break it up every five links, you say, this, 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 and this was set, just to spice it up, <laughs> by, by you reverse it on uh, this site by this you completely reverse the sentence as if it isn't the exact same structure. And, and the thing is, because you have to get all those information, because when you're reading it, you want to know who, who wrote it, you want to know where you're going and what it's about before you even click it. But your system is just so much cleaner I am just shocked no one, like none of the dozen people who have written for this week in video game blogging ever just raised their hand and said, isn't there a way to make this work better? No,
1: I'm really glad that you're finding it cleaner. That was definitely my goal, to kind of uh, not have a wall of text anymore.
0: And and it wasn't like something I used to. As soon as I saw like the indentured and the way our WordPress does the bullet points, it was like, oh my God, this is perfect. We should have done this before. It just never occurred to anyone because we got so used to that, like, blogging and link and that blogging citation format, that specific way that blogs cite by just dumping the link into the sentence that it's talking about it.
1: Yeah. It comes from a particular tradition of conversational blogging, right? And uh, it's sad, but I think that to, to a fairly large extent, that tradition is dying out, right? We don't have comment sections anymore, really. There are a couple of sites that still have, like, an active, friendly community in the comment section of their blog posts. That's something that I've learned uh, doing this job. I'll just sometimes come upon a blog post, and then I'll just happen to glance at the comments, and they're amazing. But uh, it's a rare thing, right? Mm -hmm. So we don't have write a blog post and then have a conversation about it in the comments. And I could be mistaken, but I feel like the old thing that used to happen where you'd write a blog post and then you'd get trackback links and you'd go and read the trackbacks and then, like, you'd link to one of those and then, like, you'd you'd link to one of those and then you'd have this uh, back-and-forth conversation happening that would then, like, spread further and, like, you could see it sort of evolving. I feel like that doesn't happen anymore because now we're, everything is so focused on social media to begin with that we're not socializing yeah. in the context of the writing. The writing is happening within the context of the socializing.
0: I don't know if it's an update for WordPress in particular because even my personal blog has stopped getting those. Right. It could just I mean, be I'm not being linked. any. But the thing is I don't know if, if I'm just not being linked. Is that a, one of their updates because it was like a security It could have been a security thing that they had to update out. Yeah. But, yeah, a comment section isn't something CD was big on anyway because we didn't want the conversation to happen in our thing. We wanted the conversation to happen in the post about the writing. Mm Mm-hmm. So we we, kind of closed the This Week in Video Game blogging rather quickly because there was no point in having the conversation there rather than in the actual post that we're talking about the subject.
1: Yeah. See, I do see posts going up one week that are building on writing that was included in This Week in Video Games blogging the week before. So, just because of the topics that someone's going through and the themes that they are focusing on, I suspect that they read the previous This Week in Video Games blogging, which is really wonderful to see. But it's, even then, it's not necessarily that old style of blogging where you would have a link in the flow of the sentence and kind of rehashing so-and-so said this and then so-and-so said that and then here's where I am, it's still sometimes, rather than doing it that way, I now feel like I'm seeing a lot more of more abstract, like, I've been thinking about these topics and I read a piece that said this without linking out. And that, that sort of thing used to bother me a lot because... It felt like people weren't getting attribution for their work. And I guess I still feel that way, but so it just feels like the conversation is operating in a different way now. Yeah. Or well, the link might go at the bottom of the post, which is what I do on Memory Insufficient, because of this awareness that our attention spans are really being drained by the way that the Internet pulls you in lots of directions at once. And so I just want to hold someone's attention for the duration of a piece and then link to outside sources at the end in the special references section. So I'm still doing that citation and I'm still directing people where they can go to learn more or to think about a topic further, but it's not distracting in the same way. And I think that might be part of it, that we're now way more aware of how distracted we are
0: hmm I thought you had an additional thought after that. I
1: didn't. I just ended on an up because <laughs> I have an obnoxious accent.
0: <laughs> well, it also doesn't help that you ended on the on the thought of we're easily distracted. <laughs>
1: and, then si- and then went silent. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, a squirrel.
0: Uh is there anything you'd like to say about the state of critical distance? Any? thing that I haven't thought of do we get do we hit all the highlights I think we did good on us
1: yeah please do support us on Patreon obviously do support us on Patreon but I was going to like add a whole other thing about something that I want to start doing if we get more money but I actually think that I need to put together a more coherent campaign with messaging and stuff to do that so edit that whole bit out (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yes, and you can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash crit distance, as well as you can, if you would please rate us on iTunes, you can find the Critical dis now the retitled on iTunes, Critical Distance Confab, it was always called that, but we, I guess I kind of finally just admitted to myself that the initials are just more confusing than they're worth, even if they're quicker to write, just Critical Distance Confab on iTunes, please give us a rating subscribe there you can also find the rss feed on the i think it's like on the on the left hand side of the site there's a link to the rss feed or there used to be if you want to just put it in your podcatcher and don't particularly use itunes any of that would be helpful and we appreciate it very much thank you zoya for joining me this hot summer so month and thank you for